Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. For those of you who weren't here last week, we, um, we started talking about, um, about fasting because we're going to, um, I'm, I want to invite you all to, um, to join us in an, in an opportunity to fast and pray uh, in the month leading up to Easter, April 1st, and the official launch of, of Hope Church. And so starting next Sunday, uh, the 4th, um, I'm going to be inviting you all to, to join us on this four-week um, fast. Now, before you change the channel, I'm not, a, I'm not asking you to go without food for four weeks. Uh, I'm not planning to go without food for four weeks. But however that, uh, that looks to you, I, I, just, I think it's important that we all participate in a, in a month of, of, um, of prayer and fasting leading up to the launch. And, um, so I asked you to pray a little bit about what that's going to look like for you. Um, I, I've decided that uh, there, I have a few favorite distractions that keep me from my time with him, my time in the word, time in prayer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give those up for the month. But I'm also going to, um, to be fasting until sundown each day through, you know, Monday through Saturday throughout the, the month. That's what I feel like God has put on me to do. And um, so hopefully you'll be uh, praying for, for me uh, through that as well. But before I get into that, um, let me see just a quick show of hands. How many of you have ever heard of Edward Kimball? Does that name ring a bell? It's not really any reason that it should. Uh, Edward Kimball was just a guy who volunteered to teach Sunday school in his church. And he, never, he didn't even feel like a particularly good Sunday school teacher. Uh, you know, he, he felt like he was un, untrained and um, unequipped. And um, The one thing he had, though, was a real heart to see the young people of his Sunday school class come to faith in Christ. And one young man in particular uh, really was on his heart, a young man named Dwight. And uh, Dwight was sort of a restless kid, um, easily distracted. He would even sometimes fall asleep during Edward's lessons. And I am, I notice, I notice you guys. Uh, But he knew that Dwight worked at a shoe store. And so he bottled up all of his courage and had decided he was just going to go and share the gospel one-on-one with Dwight in hopes that he could, that he could reach him. And uh, he actually said he was shaking as he went into the shoe store. It was a Saturday afternoon, and he walks in, and he puts his foot up on a shoe box, and he gives his best evangelistic message to, to young Dwight. And, and then he leaves feeling like he completely blew it like he's a total failure, um, he, he ruined it. But that day, Dwight L. Moody gave his heart to the Lord and eventually became the most prominent evangelist in America. And in the summer of 1873, D.L. Moody traveled to uh, London, England for a series of crusades. And the meetings weren't going that well at first, but... Um, 
the Lord was with him and, and he started to gain some momentum and people were getting saved and getting healed. And um, He visited a Baptist chapel that was pastored by this very educated, scholarly man named F.B. Meyer, who at first was not a fan of D.L. Moody's preaching because it was so raw and uneducated. But it wasn't long before he was completely transfixed and transformed at the power of Moody's message. And so at, at D.L. Moody's invitation, uh, Meyer ended up touring America preaching. And at one uh, message he gave at the Northfield Bible Conference, he challenged the crowds by saying, if you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Which is not only just a killer line, but it, it actually changed the life of a struggling young minister named J. Wilbur Chapman. And Chapman proceeded to become one of the most powerful traveling evangelists of the early 1900s. And he ended up recruiting a young baseball player named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday, under Chapman's eye, became one of the most spectacular evangelists in America. He was incredibly famous, preached to huge crowds all over the country. And at one series of... of, um, revival meetings that he did in in Charlotte, North Carolina, produced a group of of converts that were so hungry for that type of outpouring that they continued to meet and to pray and to ask God for another visitation of the Holy Spirit. And um, and in 1934, they they invited uh, an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come and do a citywide crusade. And again, it wasn't going very well. Mordecai Ham was very discouraged. And in fact, on, uh, on October 8th of that year, he wrote a prayer to God on the stationery of his Charlotte Hotel. And he said, Lord, give us a Pentecost here. Pour out thy spirit tomorrow. And his prayer was answered beyond his wildest dreams when a central high school student named Billy Graham gave his heart to the Lord. We lost Billy Graham this week, but not before he'd reached over two billion people with the gospel of Christ. He preached to more people in his ministry than anyone else in history, including the Apostle Paul. And all because a volunteer Sunday school teacher. Did something that he felt totally unprepared for, uncalled to, ill-equipped, untrained for. He shared hope with one young man and God did the rest. They say that you can count the apples on a tree, but who can count the apples in a single seed? Now I know most of you, and I know that you've served in the church in some capacity, and you've probably wondered at times, am I making any real difference or not? You've probably even thought about quitting because you didn't think what you were doing mattered. 
But the next time you're tempted to give up, I want you to remember Edward Kimball, whose faithfulness and persistence was tremendously honored by the Lord. This story would have looked very differently if Edward Kimball didn't take his Saturday afternoon to seek out young Dwight Moody. So you can count the apples on a tree, but only God knows how many apples are in that seed. Amen? Let's look at another story about an apple. This one I think you guys probably know. It's in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And with that one meal, they literally, Adam and Eve, ate themselves out of house and home. They ate themselves out of the will of God for their lives. They ate themselves out of God's provision and plan. And most importantly, they ate themselves out of the magnificent presence of God that they'd enjoyed. There's another meal in Genesis that had a, had a great cost. It's in chapter 25. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. Now Isaac, their father, loved Esau because he had a taste for game, and, um, but his wife Rebekah loved Jacob. And when Jacob had cooked a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, well, I'm about to die, so of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau sells his coveted birthright because of his devotion to his tummy. You know, God had a plan and a destiny and a will for Esau's life, but his lust for food and um, instant gratification was more important. Matthew Henry wrote, Those who are under the power of a carnal mind will have their lust fulfilled, though it be to the certain damage and ruin of their precious souls. I never want that to be me. I never want to be so busy with the task of living, of feeding myself, clothing myself, making sure I'm entertained all the time, that I miss what God has for my life. But unfortunately and honestly, I think that happens all the time. I'm entertained all of my waking hours. Uh, I'm fed all of my waking hours. I'm clothed. I have a roof over my head. I have all my needs met. Uh, and it's easy to, to just miss what God's you know, trying to say, what God wants to do, his plan, his will, um, his promises. God wants to pour out 
supernatural blessings in our lives, but they'll never be realized if we're not willing to seek him in fasting and prayer. That's just a fact. And God knows there's never a convenient time to fast, right? I mean, there's always a, I mean, in my life, there's always a holiday or a birthday or an office party or, you know what I mean? There's always some excuse to, to not start a fast. And so we talk ourselves out of it. But my advice to you is just to jump in. Um, everything will take care of itself. If you've never fasted before, just start with one day. You'll see that uh, um, you can do it. And God will, will take care of the rest. And there's a couple reasons, I think, that, that starting our new church with a fast is just good practice. It's just a good practice, okay? And the first is... Um, we're setting the course for the future. You know, just as beginning your day with prayer sets the course of the day and it, and it covers anything that might come up, um, the same is true for, for starting our church with a fast. And you can carry that principle even further to, um, you know, we give God the first part of every day, the first day of every week, the first portion of every dollar, and hopefully the first consideration in every decision. And the second is so powerful. When you fast and pray at the beginning, you release the principle in Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So I'd like us together to begin a fast this next Sunday, March 4th, and leading right up to Easter and the official launch of Hope Church. And this can look any way that feels right to you, okay? There's, there's not a wrong way, uh, but it's important that we do it together. Like I told you last week, if it's, if it's important to you and you lay it down, it's, it'll matter to God. So next Sunday, we're going to take communion as a sort of last meal together. And I'd like you to spend this week praying about what kind of fast you'd like to undertake. And again, no, no judgments for me. Every kind of fast is valid. But remember what I said. Fasting's not just going without food. That's, that's dieting. That's starving. All right? But when we set aside the things of the flesh for a spiritual purpose and we and we seek God in prayer, that's when uh, breakthrough comes. As long as it matters to you and you give it up, it'll matter to God. And just like Edward Kimball, when you plant seeds of giving and praying and fasting, only God can count the apples that will come from it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Your son is our model for how to live this life, for how to, for how to walk this life. Uh, and Father, we want to be obedient. We don't want to miss what you're saying. We don't want to trade it all for a meal. There are some things we're hungrier for, Lord, than, than food. So Father, I just pray that you would um, speak to us this week about how we can best spend this, this month 
um, preparing ourselves and, and laying the spiritual groundwork for the future direction of this church. Because, Father, we're expecting, we're expecting miracles. We're expecting healing. We're expecting salvation, baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're expecting um, that you will be present in the lives of, of the people in this, in this place, in this city, Father. You've given us a, a vision to reach these four counties with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the nations through the students of Ferris State University. And so, Father, I pray you would equip us to do your will. And we thank you, Father, in advance for what you're going to do this year through the ministry of this church. We love you, Lord, and it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks, and have a blessed week.